the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is the definition of a church and why does it matter? And then the surprising case for marrying young. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, happy Tuesday. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today on a gorgeous Tuesday afternoon. It is beautiful, really isn't is, it? It really is. Does your, has your day matched the weather? How is your day going? Yeah, day is going great. And here's why I love weather like this in the summer. In fact, I, I got to do this last night after the show. I went home and just sat outside in red, like until it got nice. dark. And it was so, you know, the, the mosquitoes are starting to come out, which is getting annoying. But in general, it is lovely right now. And my parents live in Oklahoma, which we're going there next week. They're like, just so you know, it's 125 <laughs> degrees. You're going to hate it here. So I'm enjoying this while nice. I can. How about you? How's Wonderful your day, day. Gone, Brian? It's great day. Great day. Okay. And uh, I was afraid that you uh, you were going to have a tough night last night after I, I kind of berated you about uh, social media and taking breaks. You know what's funny? I've been thinking about it. I'm like, okay, what can I say that Brian will approve of? I'm going to – I've decided. I'm going to say – Going on vacation with the fam. See you on the flip Perfect. side. And it'll just be, and I'll maybe I'll post a picture of like our family in the Perfect. car as we're driving away. And then I'm. Although does that okay? Here's the paranoid I'm gonna make part. A snarky of it. Does comment. that let the burglars know you yeah. are? You're gonna be like, okay. Oh, is this braggy. a break? <laughs> <laughs> are you taking a social media fast because you're so holy? But okay, here's my question: Does that alert the burglars I, to come to our house? Is it a security problem to do so. that? People would say yes. I'm like, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? You know yeah. what else alerts them is that the fact that nobody moves at your house for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a good point. I guess. They really have to be after after us if they're exactly. watching our social media. Exactly. So yeah. uh, I'm glad that you were able to read and have a good day. All right, Aubrey. Uh, at the beginning of the show here, I want to ask this question. What makes a church a church? And there's a couple different reasons, mm. a couple different stories recently that bring that up. And the first one is this, the Family Research Council. Uh, which is kind of a right wing, th- a right wing think tank. Think about uh, Tony Perkins, and uh, he runs okay. the Family Research Council. So it's you know a lot of anti-abortion stuff. There's a lot of politics yeah. in it. Well, the Family Research Council is now a church in the eyes of the IRS, and uh, I'm reading what? this story from ProPublica. Uh, Family Research Council, it says a staunch opponent of abortion and LGBTQ rights, joins a growing list of activist groups seeking church status, which allows organizations to shield themselves from financial scrutiny. And as you read this, Mm. they're not doing anything illegal. Like they're kind of gotcha. They're kind of saying, listen, nonprofit, uh, we have this purpose, this and that. Right. Uh, but a lot of people, especially those people in our culture who 
uh, aren't fond of churches and certainly aren't yeah. fond of things like the Family Research Council are not only crying right. foul, but they're crying uh, we mm. need to start taxing all the churches. Like, let's mm. let's be done with this. So with that kind of backdrop on the story, what do you think about things like the Family Research Council, like uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, like Samaritan's Purse, uh, being in the eyes of the IRS uh, called the mm. church? Yeah. Wow. I mean, this certainly is complicated, isn't it? I mean, the hard part is I would say like, okay, outside of outside of like government status, okay, outside of in the eyes of the IRS, I would never say those organizations are right. a church. I would say they're parachurch, non-for-profit, maybe doing good things in the world. You know, like it's not like I'm trying to say like, oh, they're terrible. I'm just saying they're not right. a church, right? Um I simultaneously can understand how a non-profit, not-for-profit organization would want to have that type of status to protect themselves. And so this is where I'm like, it's, I can certainly see that it's a little bit complicated. I, I think as a church leader where this feels complicated for me is I don't want that to then mess with like our status, (laughs) if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, maybe can there be a whole different category for nonprofits or uh, parachurch organizations that put them in a different category, offer them some protection, but doesn't mess with us. I know. What do you think about this, Brian? You have tapped into my exact fear here. Here's some more Mm. uh, from this article. The Family Research Council is one of a growing list of groups to seek church status, a designation that comes with the ability for an organization to shield itself from financial scrutiny. Once the IRS blessed it as an association of churches, the Family Research Council was no longer required to file a public tax return, uh, known as a Form 990, no longer required to reveal key staff salaries, the names of board members or related organizations, large payments to independent contractors, and grants the organization has made. Uh, The FRC, Family Research Council, declined to make some answers, but Focus on the Family has done this. Uh, They did it back in 2016. And in a statement mm-hmm. focused on the family said it made the switch largely out of concern for donor privacy, noting that many groups like it have made the same change. Warren Cole, he's the president of a Christian transparency watchdog called Ministry Watch. He said, I don't believe that a lot of organizations that have filed for the church exemption are in fact churches. And I don't think that they think they are in fact churches yeah, as well. Right. So. One last point from this article. I didn't realize the IRS actually uses a list of 14 characteristics to determine if an organization is in a church or an association of churches, though it notes that organizations need not meet all of the specifications. And so Hmm. here's my worry about this. Like if I were running these organizations and I could – in good conscience and under the law do this, I would do it. Like I would do it. So I'm not saying these people are doing anything wrong. My worry in this is that uh, with the over politicalization of our, of evangelicalism and of churches and also the, even if you don't feel like that's true, the impression of that from people who are not involved in churches my worry is that this appears shady and that there's going to be 
it, one, we don't even want to have the the um, the whiff of impropriety. Right. But like you right. said, selfishly, my fear is also that they're going to just go, OK, not only are we going to more closely define what a church is, but we're not going to give churches these tax breaks either. Right. Because people have taken advantage of this to the point where now this is no longer offered. You know, I think that's yeah, I think that's that's troubling and worrisome. I also think I mean. You know, and I guess I, I like you're saying, I understand about the law, the process of it and the protection of it. But I know this was part of the problem with like science, the Church of Scientology is they were also trying to get this status as well. And then so then it gets a little kooky, like who and what is a right. church? Does the government get to decide that? I mean, I guess you have to think about them diff- like theologically is different maybe than I- IRS, I right. guess is what you have to think Right. About. So I'd encourage people to go anyway, out. Interesting. Yeah, it is. And. I do think coming down the road on a much grander scale, there's going to be um, a discussion culturally in our nation, in the government of what is a church and even things that are legitimately churches. What are the tax burdens they should carry? Uh, right. You see some of the mega churches, enormous buildings, huge amounts of yeah, land, not right. paying property taxes right. and all of this. Uh, it's going yeah. to be really interesting. Uh, Aubrey, something you and I have a lot of things in common, a lot of things not in common. But one of the things that we definitely have in common is that by by, I would say, culture standards, we both got married young. So mm. I got married. Carrie and I got married uh, yeah. the January after we graduated college. And so we were okay. uh, 22 years old. Or I like, like to say 22 and a half. Right. We were right. Almost almost 23. And we have now been married for 22 years. So really right there. Yeah. Um, what about you and Kevin? It was the, almost the exact same age, if I remember right. I was just thinking that I, did, I don't think I knew you guys were also a January anniversary. So we were the same. We got married the January after we graduated. Oh. We but we graduated a year later than you guys. So we've been married 21 years and we were 22, almost 23 when we got married. And sometimes we laugh because we're like. Who, where were our parents? (laughs) Like, where? why was no one like, you guys are 22. You should not be getting married. Obviously it worked out in the end. So I'm glad they did. But we were, we laugh about that now. Like, especially when we see 22 year olds, we're like, they're children. They should not be getting married. Why are they making a lifelong decision right now? Isn't it weird to be on this side? But here's the weird thing. So you and I I also both went to Wheaton College. Uh, again, I was a year ahead of you and that's where we met our spouses. Uh, and when you're at Wheaton, at least when we were there getting married soon after graduation was Mm -hmm. not a strange thing, but then I would go. That's true. I mean, lots of our friends were doing it. So it wasn't like we were the outliers. Then I went home to New Jersey and proclaimed to my high Uh school friends, I'm getting married. And I might've, I might as well have told them I had a tail and three eyes because they looked at me like. (laughs) You're getting, wait a minute, you're getting married. And many of them are married now. Most of them are married now, but they got married right. five years right. later, 10 years later, uh, lived right. with Pete, you know, their spouses before they got married. And so why do we bring this up over at uh, a website called Ifs Studies? They wrote this article that I think affirms you and I, the surprising case Good to hear. for marrying young, uh, the surprising case for marrying young. And they're kind of pushing back against Uh, The cultural norm not to get married until in your 30s or much later, you know, later than you and I did. So at the New York Times, so they they quote over at 
this uh, a lady by the name of Jill Filipovich. She advised her readers, quote, women ought not to get married before the age of 30. But this article uses um, statistics to say Americans who cohabitate before marriage are less likely to be happily married and are more likely to break up. Uh, conventional hmm. wisdom holds that spending your 20s focusing on your education, work and fun and then marrying around 30 is best path to maximize your odds of a strong family. But research says the opposite. Hmm. And then saving cohabitation for marriage. Here's the phrase you and I loved and endowing your relationship with sacred significance seems to maximize your (laughs) odds of being stably and happily married. So what they're saying is that the research says that people who actually marry young do better in a long term marriage. So I'm here. I want to know you. I will get to this later, but I think that there's a chicken or the egg portion here. I think people who marry young totally. tend to be people of faith. Yes. Uh, who yes. are less likely to get divorced anyway. I think that it right. might be what's at play here. But I, let I me... was thinking that a little bit like, oh, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Cause I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the discussion here. Okay. So go ahead. Yeah. I, I think par- I was going to say, I, w- I wonder if it is a chicken or the egg thing. Like it does seem like, I mean, this is kind of a funny phrase we're joking a little bit about, but endowing your relationship with sacred significance, that to me feels like the glue more so than the age. Because, you know, a 30-something, a 40-something who says, like, I'm going to get married, my marriage is sacred, I'm sticking in no matter what, has, I think, the same ability as a 20-year-old to do that. So I I think you're right. Like, most likely those of us who got married young did so because we were in a church background and, and that kind of thing. Anyway, go ahead. What were you going to well, say? Here's my question for you. As somebody who got married relatively young, right? There's people out there who uh-huh. got married in their teens who are like, you guys weren't young. But culturally speaking, <laughs> right, uh, you right. and I marrying our spouses at 22 was on the very early end of things. Uh, yeah. wh- what were the difficulties for you of marrying young? <laughs> And then I'll tell you ours. I mean, I mean, there were a lot. Like when we were, I mean, if you think about it scientifically, like the male brain hasn't even finished forming yet at the age of twenty-two. Yeah. It's like twenty-four. So we, all that to say, we were immature. Like we, um, we were still feeling. We got married, and we still felt like we were twenty-year-old single people who wanted to go out and, I mean, you know, go out and be with our yeah. friends. We were really, really different. We didn't know each other very well, and so we lived. We didn't cohabitate before we got married, and so all of a sudden, you're living with someone you don't know very well, and you're very young. Like that created complications. We didn't know how to communicate. That created complications. We came from different families of origin. That mm-hmm. created complications. You know yep. what I mean? Like, in fact, Kevin and I joke sometimes, and we mean this, like, to be funny, and we think it's funny. Other people might be like, whoa, that's dark. But we'll be like, man, if we weren't married, like, we definitely would not be together. Like, the marriage was the thing that oh, we were interesting. like, okay, I guess I'm stuck with this person now, you know, because we discovered things about each other we didn't know. That said, I think the flip side was getting to grow up with somebody yeah. and getting to learn communication and maturity together. And now looking back and like laughing on like, oh, there were some bad right. days. Praise Jesus. We're not there anymore. That feels like a reward in and of itself. Yeah, For me, I remember it is. It's kind of like you. I've never paid bills. 
right? Like I'd never (laughs) been in charge of all of these household things. And in some sense, that was a huge stressor. And in another sense, Mm -hmm. it was really good that Carrie and I had to learn those together or else we bring these. Like if I had a very set way that I did everything and she had a very set way she did everything and we met and got married at 30, I think that would have caused a lot of tension. But don't get me wrong. There was also a lot of tension because I was also a child. I was like, 22-year-old <laughs> right. me was like, I don't know. I kind of want to stay up and play video games. You got a problem with that? Or Totally. It's so Why do we have to do dishes? What are we doing laundry yeah. for? And so, right, right, uh, right. So we, yeah, all right. So somebody comes to you. You're now much further down the road, right? Like, uh, right, we, right. Are, we are both in our mid-40s. By the grace of God, would, yes. Would you advise somebody to get married at 22? Oh, man. I, I think it depends on the couple. Like, probably like you, uh, Kevin and I do quite a bit of premarital counseling, and we've seen, you know, 20 somethings that are totally ready. Like, they're mature, they're spiritually sound. They may not know exactly what they're getting into. They may have some rose colored glasses, but who doesn't when they first get married? Um, and then there are some that we'd be like, absolutely right. not. You guys don't know. You don't know. You don't even have an idea of this, the sacredness and the seriousness of this decision you're about to make. And the same thing. There are some, we just did a wedding for, let's see, she's in her late thirties. He's in his forties. And like, they had worked through a lot, a lot, a lot of things, even their own independence to come to the point where I was like, yeah, you guys can get married. This is going to be good and beautiful. But they had their own issues right. to work through. So I, I think it, it depends on the couple. I will say, I mean, there is a piece of me that feels like we were too young to have gotten married. But then the evidence is like, here we are happily married, You're you know, married. 21 years later, three beautiful yes. kids. I, you know, I, I wouldn't change yes. that. So I, I'm not really answering you because I do have some mixed feelings about it, honestly. I, it's interesting. You, you bring up like now that we're on this end, like if my daughter was, my daughter's 18, like if at 22, but Obviously, yeah, we will have known this now. guy. We will have this and that. But it does feel different on this mm-hmm. end. I think you bring up the most important point. Some people are ready at 22. There's still going to be troubles and this and that. Yeah. Some people aren't. Some people right. aren't ready at 30. Some people, like It's about – I would encourage some of the findings in this article about cohabitation, about being yeah. self. You know, there's always like I'm going to be selfish in totally. my 20s. There's never a time biblically to say I'm going to be selfish in my blank. Like right. that's – that's right, not how right. this works. And so, right. uh, yeah, I found this interesting. I felt like it was a victory lap, though, for you and I, that, that the best time to get married is I agree. Is young. This is nice. I'm going to send it. The research backs I'm it gonna, up. Woo! I'm going to email it to my wife and be like, see, it was a good idea you married me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll need to, like, keep this keep this research on our phone and be like, okay, it's, it's okay. okay. We got married young. It's still we okay. We did this okay. <laughs> we love to deal with hard things on this show, right? Earlier today, we're talking about what is a church. Mm-hmm. And should churches, should nonprofit organizations like the Family Research Council be classified as a church and be getting IRS uh, shelter or whatever, however else you want to yeah. refer to it? Like difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just need to laugh. And something we've That's been right. doing in the last couple of weeks is I've been finding quizzes for you and we test, we, we <laughs> test your Bible knowledge. This is fun. I, I like these. Last time you did really well. So we're going to see about this one. This one is okay. simply, in the past, we've done Bible verse or 
uh, Marvel movie. I believe mm-hmm. we did uh, Bible verse or uh, what did we do on this one? A Taylor Swift song or was that another time? We, we did. We did Paul or Disney princess. Paul or Disney that princess. Okay. One. Yeah. Yeah. We've done Star Wars, Bible verse or Star Wars. Yeah, we got to go back to the Taylor Swift one. That was I remember I did that one with Ian. That was yeah, good. Yeah, Taylor Swift or Lamentations. Yeah. <laughs> Although you yeah. wrote a book on Lamentations, so I don't know if that's a good right, one. Right, right. Uh, I'll win that one all This day. one's going to be more generic. It's just simply titled, Is This a Bible Verse or a Movie Quote? Oh, man. Okay. Are you ready for this? This could cause you. I mean, you've got so you have a master's degree in Bible things. You're a pastor. You write books and speak, and you watch lots of movies. No, this is bad. Like if I like if I fail at this, it's it's bad, yes. right? Like this is like, and I love movies, so this is either way. I don't know how I'm coming out. Okay, here, here we go. You ready? Uh, and Ooh, this, ready. and as we always say, our disclaimer is it's in the internet, so whatever they say is true. Deal? <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Here's the quote. I was formed before ancient times, from the beginning, before the earth began. Is this a superhero origin story or something from the Bible? Oh, man. Okay. Say Orta, because it sounds so much like Psalm 139, but it's not exactly right. Again, we don't don't know the version of the Bibles they're using in this one as well. Yeah, that's true. I was formed formed before before the ancient times, from the beginning, before the earth began. I'm going movie. I'm going superhero movie. You should have trusted your first instinct. This is isn't some superhero talking. It's the Bible. Proverbs eight twenty three uh, and oh, other man. psalms. I was just thinking yes. like it was throwing me off because God isn't formed. Do you yes. know what I mean? So that's why I was like, well, that's not exactly right. God always existed. So I so that's yeah that that's a weird tra- that's a weird I'm, version. I'm with you, but that's what that's what makes this fun. Okay. Is it? They, okay. they get us a little okay. bit. All right, All right, here we go. As God is my witness, I'll never be hungry again. Can you find <laughs> That's this? Scarlett O'Hara. That's God with the wind. Right is it there. really? <laughs> yes. You say in a movie? As God is my wow. witness. You yeah, should, that's definitely you a movie. You should get extra credit because it is Scarlett <laughs> O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. I'll never be hungry That's again. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tara. Tara. So we've already established you know the movies more than the Bible. Here I go. Uh, before wow. I tell you any more, I'm going to show you the greatest thing your eyes have ever beheld. He was a king and a god in the world he knew. And then they write, this sounds pretty biblical. Or is it from a movie? Before I tell oh, you any more, I'm going to show you the greatest thing your eyes have, have ever beheld. He was a king and a god in the world he knew. I'm going movie. I would guess movie. I haven't taken this quiz either, so I'm guessing along with you. I would have guessed movie too. Yeah. That is from the 1933 movie King Kong. Oh, shocking. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed King Kong, but okay. Here we go. Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Did an actor say this or a biblical figure? Brothers, oh, what we do let- in life echoes in eternity. Oh, man. Okay. Wow. This is a good one. I'll go Bible. I was going to go actor. Let me click. You say Bible. That is Maximus in Gladiator. I was correct. (laughs) Yes, that is Gladiator. Okay. Okay. Russell Crowe. So here's... 
I didn't think it sounded like a Bible verse I knew, but because the other one threw me off so much, I was like, maybe it was a weird translation. I'm going to so, go okay, with... Okay, that was Gladiator. They're being, they being a little uh, loose with their Bible translations, but that makes it harder. That makes it more fun. That makes it so hard. Okay. Here we go. Uh, devise a plan. It will fail. Make a prediction. It will not happen. Then they say that... That's the Bible. I think that's... That that's feels Proverbs, pro- right? I, that's got to be Proverbs, right? That's a proverb. Uh, it is the Bible. They are taking that from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 10. Devise your strategy, wow. but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan. It will not stand okay. for God is with us. Okay. Good. All right. Okay. There is nothing free except the grace of God. <laughs> There's nothing free except the grace of God. Oh, all right. I'm going Bible. Why do I feel like this is a trick question in a movie? It's not. It's going to be a movie, all isn't right, I'm it? Going Bible. Uh, okay. This is from the 2010 film True Grit. <laughs> oh, I love that Dude, movie. That's funny. When uh, wow. she says to Shia LaBeouf, oh no, to LaBeouf, who's played by Matt Damon, you must pay for everything in this world one way or the other. You're nothing free but the grace of God. Okay, wow. They're, this one's throwing us. This is a good one. This is a good you. quiz. All right. Uh, a king's fury is a messenger of death, but a wise person appeases it. Bible or movie? I'm going Bible. I was going to go movie. Here we go. Bible. It is the Bible. Whew. Well. Got one. The the funny thing is when you click Bible on this one, they don't really give you like an actual place it came from. So oh, funny. <laughs> I think they're kind of making a conglomeration here. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting a little. They're getting a little. A little uh, loose. A little loose. Makes it more fun. That's okay. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. How is that not Revelation? That's Bible. That's definitely the Bible. Is that the book of Revelation? Uh, Yes. It is Revelation chapter 1, verse 15. Okay. Phew. 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 It begins this by saying, no, this isn't some new mega babe superhero played by Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a couple more. Here we go. This is fine. I, I like wanted this. a mission, and for my sins, they gave me one. I wanted a mission. That's a movie. It's a movie, right? That's a movie. In fact, yeah, I don't know what movie, but isn't it might be the called mission? the mission? <laughs> it might be. Uh, it is a movie that's from Apocalypse Now. That is from Apocalypse oh, Now. Apocalypse Now. I haven't seen that in so long. Okay. All right. Your heart is free. Have the courage to follow it. Your heart is free. Have the courage to follow it. It's got to be a movie. All right, here we go. You say movie? Unless they got some weird... That is from the 1995 film that we have talked about many times on this this show, Braveheart. Oh, Braveheart. Braveheart. Okay. Your movie. Your your manly. Your manly Christian That was said by Mark Driscoll in Braveheart. (laughs) 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 I'm going to do two more. Uh, this this okay. quiz we could have done for like three segments, so we're going to stop after I two I mean, more. this is fine. Okay. As for okay. me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Bible. That is the Bible. The book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. Here we go. Where does this quote come from? Did you know this <laughs> church is in the exact center of the city? The elders decreed it so that everybody should be equally close to God got to be the bible that's old testament right? i was thinking a movie all right you're gonna go movie oh it's actually yeah. a movie and it's actually the avengers 
I was gonna say, I think that's a Marvel that movie. Is, I'm not even joking. That is Avengers: <laughs> Age of Ultron. Okay, we got time for one more. Ultron. Yeah. Arrogance okay. and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all. That feels like a movie. That sounds like a movie. It feels, that like feels like another Star Marvel Wars, movie. doesn't it? It feels like Star Wars. Yeah, something like this, something epic. Uh, it is a movie uh, from Doctor Strange. Okay. Oh, you and yeah. your Marvel movies. All right, we got time for one more. Yay. Do you know any prayers, my friend? Just that question. Do you know any prayers, my friend? I'm going to go movie. That is a movie from the 1938 film Robin Hood. Okay, you kind of uh, picked up there. You you struggled early. Yeah, it took me a minute. It took me a minute. Yeah, it took me you a minute. You struggled early because I think of what they were doing with the Bible verses there, but you came back strong. You came back strong. Yeah, it, it took me a minute to get their game with the Bible verses. I don't verses. know what others think about this, but that's that's turning into one of my favorite times on the show. We're going to keep finding these. It's pretty If fun. you've got it's any of fun. those types of quizzes, please send them our way. Go to our Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, we want to know yeah, what they are. Or Instagram. Page. We announced it yesterday, Brian, but we have a brand new yes. producer for our show, Laura Finch. And so you'll see her probably pop it up more on social media and, uh, you know, bringing bringing some new life to the show, which we're really excited about. So um, we can't wait for you to get yes, to know Laura absolutely. a little bit. Um, so, Brian, do your kids uh, listen to Sean Mendez? So my girls do. Um, they yeah. love Sean Mendez, whether my son does or not, it would be, he would never admit it. So I don't think he does, but you know, yeah. I've not exactly been on his Spotify playlist lately. And there might be some Sean Mendez hanging on there. Uh, <laughs> the other day I went into my son's room, not the other day, he was a little while ago cause he was doing homework. So it was during the school year and I'm like, Oh, what are you listening to? Oh, just the Spotify. And all of a sudden I looked down and he's listening to Eminem. I was like, what? Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Wait a second. But especially my youngest daughter and both my girls, Sean Mendez. Sean Mendez is big with the teenage girls. Let's put it that way. He's big with the teenage girls because he's a young little cutie. Uh, my, I, this, that's funny you say that about Eminem. My son was listening to music the other day and I was like, what are you listening to? And he was like, it was like the, literally the same conversation. Oh, my Spotify playlist. He's listening to Beastie Boys. <laughs> I'm you like, got, and partially you're crap. You're, if your husband's there, he's a little proud. He's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a little moment where I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good yeah, album. I remember this. But then I'm like, what? You're listening to Beastie you're like, Boys? turn it up. What? Turn What's it up. happening? <laughs> well, so Sean Mendez surprised his fans recently by announcing that he was going to put a pause on his tour for the next three weeks in order to focus on his mental health. He said he's been touring since he was 15. It's been really difficult for him to be on the road away from friends and family and uh, got really honest about his mental health struggles and decided to take a break. He said, unfortunately, the toll of the road and the pressure has caught me and I have hit a breaking point. After speaking with my team and health professionals, I need to take some time to heal and take care of myself and my mental health first and foremost. Uh, Good Morning America covered this story and they're talking about how this is actually a really meaningful moment for parents to be able to enter into conversation about mental health with their children. So I want us to take a listen to that and then have a conversation. This morning, Sean Mendez hitting a breaking point, posting on Instagram that he'll be postponing his global tour, writing, quote, this breaks my heart to say, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to postpone the next three weeks of shows until further notice. Please 
after taking time off from touring over the past few years. Mendes saying his return to the stage was too soon. Writing, quote, I felt like I was ready to dive in, but that decision was premature and unfortunately, the toll of the road and the pressure has caught up to me and I've hit a breaking point. The 23-year-old singer joining a chorus of famous voices like Chris Evans, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, Ryan Reynolds, Channing Tatum, and Rihanna speaking out about their mental health issues. I say um, put mental health first. Olympic gymnast Simone Biles, an outspoken advocate for prioritizing personal well-being, saying in Tokyo last year, We're just a little bit too stressed out, um, but we should be out here having fun, and sometimes that's not the case. And in a TikTok, Grammy award-winning artist Lizzo opening up, sharing her struggles with her fans. Why do we feel this way when we get sad? I don't want to feel this way anymore. I want to feel like I do have someone to talk to. People do care about me. A study published this April found that nearly half, 48% of young adults, struggled with mental health in mid-2021. And over a third, 36%, reported an unmet need for counseling. Okay, so uh, what was fascinating to me, Brian, is coming out of um, that Good Morning America story about Sean Mendez. Uh, they mentioned the amount of athletes and actors recently that have done something similar, taking a step back because of their mental health. And then they cited a study that showed that 48% mm. of young people are struggling with mental health. So half, yeah. essentially, yeah. Uh, of teenagers are struggling with their mental health. You and I have talked about the anxiety, the depression, even the suicide rate for teenagers yeah, that skyrocketed. Yeah. And uh, what what you know people are positing is that this Sean Mendes moment is is a moment for parents, especially because so many of our kids are huge fans, to be able to like enter into a conversation about mental health with your kids. That like this is a moment where you could be like, oh, I saw Sean Mendes did this. Uh, how did you feel about that? What did you think about that? And then like, how are yeah, you? Yeah. Are you doing okay? But what's interesting to me is we we've seen like. You know, we've covered a lot of stories about athletes that have stepped back because of their mental health, uh, other singers, other even actors that are stepping back because of their mental health. What, you know, what do you think that shows us? I guess that's the question I'm asking. Yeah, it, it shows strength. I, I think it's a good positive thing mm -hmm. here for our kids to see. Uh, and for us as adults who grew up in a different generation um, to be able to wrestle with as well. You know, when I first when you first sh shared this story with me, it got me thinking, you probably don't remember this like a year ago. Uh, I literally played a Shawn Mendes song on our show because the lyrics and this was the song of the year in 2018. No, I think I do remember this. The lyrics were really well, dark, let me read right? to you just some of the lyrics. And it is okay. interesting now knowing what you just shared about him. Uh, he literally wrote and this was song of the year. Help me, it's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like mm. giving up, but I just can't. It's not in my blood. Laying on the bathroom floor, feeling nothing. I've overwhelmed and insecure. Give me something. I could take it to ease my mind slowly. Just have to drink and feel better. Just take her home and feel better. Keep telling me that it gets better, but does it ever? And the whole song goes like that. And wow. so it doesn't shock me. Wow. Uh, I remember you and I talking about that song going, well, there is some boldness in writing about what's going on. That's probably good for our kids. Yeah. Maybe it's, I, I don't know. So I'm glad for this guy's sake, Sean Mendes, who's still in some ways a kid, uh, getting, a getting, kid. The, help, early right, 20s, getting yeah. the help he needs. 
But on a grander mm-hmm. scale, I do think the more we normalize talking about things, there's always that little fear in me, though, that you could talk about it too much and it could become. I understand that like it, it becomes like a um, viral in yeah, a sense, like yeah. it, like you catch it in a and it's sense almost because like it becomes trendy. It trendy is the right word. And, and mm-hmm. so therefore it becomes copycat. And so there's always that mm-hmm. fear. But but yeah. I, I think I'm willing to deal with that. To get to the place where it normalizes for our kids saying I'm not okay yeah. uh, and I'm not yeah. doing well. Because yeah. I'm not sure uh, – certainly the generations before you and I, that wasn't normalized. But I'm not even sure in our generation mm-hmm. that was normalized. Uh, and so to have that normalized I think is helpful. And to see, like you said, Sean Mendez, Simone Biles, these these well-known people, I think is is a is a good step that we've taken culturally. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's the step in the right direction, a step to normalize mental health and even self-care. Yeah. And just because you're whether you're a teenager just at home living, going to school or you're this sort of professional teenager in a successful field, very public eye, either way, like for for all of our kids to be able to say, I'm not doing OK, I'm going to take a break. I need to talk to somebody I, you know, I need, like he says here, I need to take some time to heal and take care of myself and my mental health. I think that is a good example. And, and again, I think most of it, most of the story just reminds me for our own teenagers, those of us who are parents of teenagers, like keep that conversation going, make sure they're doing okay coming out of the pandemic and get them the help that they need if they need it. Uh, Brian, I told you before we went to break that I, I have a conundrum that I need to run by you. And I love the word conundrum, by the oh, way. Well, good. I'm glad I'm a writer. So I use words sometimes that are fun. <laughs> um, okay. And I think I've actually answered this, but I, I just, I want to have the discussion cause it, it got me thinking about a few things. Okay. So I'm going to give you some background to this. I was online shopping as I sometimes do. For, um, sometimes for, this is going to sound funny, but just hear me out for like sweatshirts and sweat shorts outfits. We're going to the lake next week. I wanted like a cute pair of sweat shorts with a matching As sweatshirt. One does. Right. Right. I know you shop for that all the time. So matching outfits are right, my thing. Yes. Right. So yes. I found this website and like super cute, super unique uh, sweatshirts and sweatshorts and they you know they have little phrases on them like empathy or be kind to everyone or or you are loved like these almost christian nice. messages right and i was like i i love these I put a few in my card i was trying to decide like can i get more than one can i get three? Oh, i shouldn't i should get two anyway whole thing well i you know i was struck again by the uniqueness of these sweatsuits outfits which sounds really funny I went on their Instagram page because I was like, this stuff's art artsy. Like, I wonder what their what the deal is. What's the story behind the store? I've never heard of it before. And at the top of their Instagram page is they are raising fifty thousand dollars for Planned Parenthood, mm. and so the proceeds for these cute items go to that. And I said to myself, well, I can't buy these sweatsuits now. Now that mm. I know, like, what the end game is going to like, I can't justify giving my money to that. So I felt very sad. I took everything out of my cart. I didn't buy anything, but here, here's what it brought up for me, Brian. Cause I think this can bring up a whole lot of questions. Like yes, it for can. the Christian, I'm sure that there are things that I am supporting. Like for instance, I, I don't know if this is true. I just want to give an example. I will sometimes shop at old Navy 
Old Navy mm-hmm. has been shown in the past to use child labor. But I'll buy things from Old Navy because it's cheap, because it can't, okay? So I think the question I'm, ha- I'm asking is, what can and can't we support financially? Does this mm. choice actually matter for the Christian? Is this legalistic or is this right? Like, is this a stance? And where and how do we know how to draw these kinds of lines? Does that make sense? Uh, it all makes sense. And yeah. it's really difficult because what we, I don't think, uh, th- obviously let's begin by saying this is a personal conversation. This is not a, mm, uh, right. I don't know that there's a right answer here. That's good, Brian. But for yeah. me, yeah, like Nike does, you know, child labor stuff in China, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Or whatever else. I, it's really hard to, I don't have the time in the day to being, um, differentiating what every company's doing where yeah. I'm getting my coffee or getting my this. Right. What's different for the one that you did. And if people want to cut Nike out, cut, I don't know if Starbucks does something or right. whatever, they want to make those courses, right. that's on them. Here's what's different about the one that you just shared. The the your shopping experience for cute matching sweatshirts and, <laughs> and sweatpants. Right. With up with uplifting positive messages. Right. Uh the here's the difference. The difference is that they were very boldly on their website saying, yeah, here's what we support and what we're going to do with your money. Right. Uh, it wasn't like they were. And, and I know people are like, well, that's splitting hairs. I'm not sure that it is like they are putting on their website mm-hmm. their beliefs and what they're going to do with your money. Right. And so I I think. That the if I were you, I think the right move is to go. I'm going to go find my sweatpants someplace and else. Inspirational messages somewhere else. Yeah. Even though I like these. Right. Um, is that different than if you found out that they gave money to this politic? That's up to you. Mm-hmm. For me, that's really bold to put in on your website. This is what we're doing yeah. with your money because they're trying to draw a line there. They're right. trying to say. We don't care what you think. This is what we believe. And so uh, it's, a, it's a super gray area how we buy, mm-hmm. you know, what what businesses we support. Because mm-hmm. that's a that is a trail that could go for a long time where you're like, I'm not sure I could buy clothes anywhere. I'm not well, sure I well, could right, get food I, anywhere. I think that's why I started thinking about it. Because, I, I mean, you know how much I love Disney, Disney theme parks. Well, Disney theme parks are like standing for things that I don't necessarily agree with, but that hasn't caused me, my love for the theme parks have, has outweighed my, but for this one, I think it was because it was so blatant. I was like, Oh man, like I don't necessarily need my, my like non-Christian supplier of clothes to act like they're a Christian. Like I'm not going to hold them to some standard there, but when it's so, and especially I think right now, like Roe v. Wade being overturned, like, there's a lot politically at stake when it comes to a conversation about abortion. And so for a company to say we're supporting Planned Parenthood, like you you sort of know where they're leaning. It, I think because it felt so blatant, I was like, oh, I just don't think I can do it. And then I started playing out, you know, maybe this is wild, but I started playing out. Let's say I post a photo in my cute new sweatsuit and somebody's like, I love that. Where'd you get it? Well, suddenly I'm yeah. pointing to this organization. It looks like I'm supporting them. And so there there were layers of this. But I think, Brian, why I'm wrestling a bit, because it's an ob- like I'm not going to buy those sweatsuits from that place. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I do think it like it plays out. Can you buy your clothes anywhere? Can you buy 
you know, anything at this point, because we know organizations, companies are not necessarily going to hold to the same standards we are. So then what do you do? Yeah. And again, I don't think there's a right answer. I think yeah, that's good. the blatant that's good nature, the blatant nature of what you're describing. And I think that is interesting when you're like, well, what if somebody asks me, where did I get this? Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Um, if we were being, I, I get why people would be like, I'm never buying from here. I'm never going to Disney. I'm never mm-hmm. getting, wearing a Nike shoe. I understand all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a spectrum here and, and there's not one spot that we as Christians need to land. I do think That's we good, need to Brian. care. Yeah. We need to care where our stuff comes from. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to care about certain things more than other things, which yeah. I think is natural. That is human. So yeah. I don't, I think my biggest thing is there's not a great answer to this. I think to your helpful. personal conundrum mm-hmm. uh, was when they're that blatant. Yeah. And, oh, I, I almost said something that probably waters this down because I said, and if there's other options, <laughs> but that probably shouldn't matter. <laughs> right, right. Um, but oh, yeah, man, like, they're I, real cute, though, Brian. They're real cute. I'm not I'm, I'm going to sure. have to I'm going to have to find my sweatsuits elsewhere. I, I only I buy my I only buy my <laughs> inspirational sweatshirts at ethically produced places. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to post that on Twitter. That'll be my next. All right. Well, I I do think it's an interesting discussion for us as Christians. Like what is that line for us? And yeah, maybe maybe perhaps it's just a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like I felt mm-hmm. convicted that I shouldn't, so I'm going to honor and obey that until I feel a releasing otherwise cuz I the end of the day that's all i can do and so i for think sure. that's that's probably for all of us like what's the holy spirit saying about this and can you move forward with good conscience mm-hmm. it is the end of the show on a beautiful tuesday evening and at the end of every show we love to sometimes do different things uh put a smile on your face challenge you inspire you and one of the places we've been going recently for some of like the feel good smile on your face news is over at the week where they uh, basically bring together a list of good news stories from the previous week. So these are stories from last week, and they're always just fun and heartwarming. Yes. And um, Brian, I'll, I'll share the okay. first one, okay? All right, here we go. So father and daughter doctors partner up to perform heart surgery. Mm. Okay, this is crazy. This was one father-daughter activity that Dr. Harold Roberts Jr. and Dr. Sophia Roberts will never forget. Sophia is a general surgery resident physician at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. That's also where her dad, Harold, serves as an associate professor of cardiac surgery. Because so many doctors are having to provide additional care due to COVID-19, Sophia was recently able to fill in for another physician and assist her dad during an aortic valve replacement surgery. On the day of the operation, Sophia started off by helping open the patient's chest, and the rest of the surgery was really very smooth. That's a quote from Harold uh, telling telling that to Good Morning America. He said this, I wouldn't have done the case any better if I had another heart surgeon assisting me. Sophia told GMA she was glad to work with her dad, but didn't let that take her focus off the patient who is recovering well. What can be better, Harold said. I taught this kid how to ride a bicycle a few decades ago. Now to get to teach her how to operate on a human heart is pretty mind-blowing. That's pretty cool. You think? I was kind of hoping, hoping as you after you read that uh, title that it would be like, 
on Take Your Daughter to Work Day. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like 10. Yes. All right. Second story. <laughs> Hopes are high as rhinos are reintroduced in Mozambique. Conservationists oh. in Mozambique are excited by the return of the rhino, an animal that had become extinct locally 40 years ago. Hmm. Rhinos are endangered following decades of habitat loss and poaching. And to try to save these animals, conservation groups are relocating them to safe spaces. Once in these new areas, they will hopefully be able to breed and increase their population. The Peace Parks Foundation recently captured and sedated several black and white rhinos about 1,000 miles from Mozambique and then transported them to the country's Zanave National Park. More than 2,300 other reintroduced animals live in the protected spaces, including elephants. And the goal is to get at least 40 more rhinos. That's cool. Like uh, bring rhinos back from the brink. Love that. That's so cool. All right. I'm a little scared of rhinos, though. Like, I I mean, I'm glad for the rhinos. I just hope I don't run into them when I'm, no, if I'm that would, they are. Zambique. They will kill you yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. They're scary. Scary. They also, I feel like they're like definitely dinosaurs that are still around, <laughs> right? Like they seem so ancient. Yes. All right. Uh, number three, Florida woman strives to make beaches accessible for all. Sabrina Cohen loves everything about the beach. Oh, Sabrina, so do I. From soaking up the sun to feeling the ocean breeze, and she wants to make this experience available to everyone. Cohen, 44, was in a car accident 30 years ago that left her paralyzed from the neck down. Wow. Through her Sabrina Cohen Foundation, she brings attention to stem cell research for spinal injuries and also hosts beach days twice a month in Miami Beach, welcoming people with disabilities and special needs. About 100 volunteers, including lifeguards and physical therapists, set up temporary platforms and specialized equipment to ensure participates, participants can safely get on the sand and into the water. Since 2016, about 8,000 people have participated in the beach days. The freedom of being in the ocean is such a beautiful experience, Cohen told People. Her goal is to now raise $10.5 million to build an adaptive facility in Miami Beach with a rooftop pool and specialized lockers and changing rooms, which can be used as a model for other buildings around the world. The best use I could make out of my injury is to help other people through the same scenario. That's Cohen awesome. Said. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah. Love that. Uh, all right. I'm the environmental one today because now discarded tires find new life as a park trail oh. in Tennessee. Thousands of tires that were dumped around Fuller State Park in Memphis, Tennessee, are now a welcome part of the landscape. Last week, officials hmm. unveiled a brand new hard surface walking and biking trail that was made from the rubber crumbs of those illegally discarded tires. No way. The trail goes for nearly three miles and is one of the longest rubber bearing paths in the United States. I didn't know there were others. This is a quintessential example of recycling in full circle, collecting dumped material, then converting it for positive use. It's exactly the kind of responsible environmental activity Tennesseans can be proud of, where an area can be cleaned up and then have people enjoy the benefits in a new way. Hundreds of volunteers and local contractors started picking up the tires in 2019, and eventually they gathered 24,000 tires that had been used no on passenger and commercial trucks and heavy equipment. Uh, they were re- dropped at a recycling center, and then they were made into crumbs. That's pretty cool. Have <laughs> I ever told you? That's pretty cool. My elementary school, where I grew up in New Jersey, our playground was a tire playground. It was all all the things were just tires, and like tire swing, um, tire. Are you serious? Yeah, it, was, it no longer is there. I, when I went back with my kids a couple of years ago to visit my hometown, the tire playground was gone. 
so it was really cool. I didn't think anything of it. Like I always knew about the tire playground, uh, but you would climb around on tires. It was all tires. The one bad thing, black tires in the sun Ooh, get very super hot. hot, very hot. So, Ooh, I wonder if they've, I wonder if they've like adapted that. Like there's gotta be something to put on the tires these days so they don't get don't so know. hot. I do. I feel like I like, I, I have been on those like crumbs of tires before at playgrounds and I like the feeling mm-hmm. of that. So that's kind of cool. You had a whole tire, tire playground. playground. Wow. All right. All right. Here's a last fun story. Uh, firefighters rescue kitten from a Pepsi vending machine. <laughs> of course they did. What? Well, on her lunch break, Lindsay Russell heard a strange noise coming from the Pepsi vending machine inside the Walmart she works at a Morristown, Tennessee. Another Tennessee story. She got up to investigate and found that a tiny gray kitten had somehow managed to get into the vending machine. And try as she might, Russell was unable to get the cat out. She asked some of her coworkers to help, and they too were unable to free the kitten. Russell quickly called the Morristown Fire Department, and firefighter Doug Allison told WVLT as soon as they arrived, they could tell the cat was stressed. The firefighters removed a few panels from the machine, and after 10 minutes, the kitten was out. If we can help save a life, animal or human, we'll do what we can do, Allison said. Russell and her mom have rescued animals before, and they have taken in the kitten, who now has the nicknames Pepsi, Pep, and Pepper. <laughs> the cat is doing well, Russell said, and in high spirits. Okay, that's nice cute. I normally don't like I don't like cat stories typically because I don't like cats, but that's cute. You, that you are one. anti-cat. I'm more ambivalent to cats, much more a dog person. But okay. yeah, your your uh, dislike yeah. of cats is a little disconcerting. Is a it? Bit. Yeah. What is that? I'm, I'm a little bit of a sociopath, maybe when it comes to cats. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm not a fan. They freak me out. They seem scary. But a little I don't like a little kitten in a Pepsi machine. So I'm glad that glad that little Pepsi got out. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining today. We hope those stories put a smile on your face. We'll be back again tomorrow from four to six p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.